1: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting Great 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether you know there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays.
0: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson joining me this week, good buddy from uh, back in Oklahoma. We work together at the OU Daily. He is now covering the ACC, a website called Saturday Road. Spencer Davis, hello, how are you? I think this is your first appearance
1: on the podcast, so welcome it to is. the podcast. Thank you, yeah, happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, I, I live in Kansas City, and it, uh, it's it been rainy for most of the day, but the sun just popped out. So, uh, yeah, I get a little vitamin D and just kind of enjoying this Thursday afternoon before the draft. That is a positive omen for this podcast
0: episode. It's been gloomy all day, and the sun comes out as we start recording. Um, So, fittingly, we're going to talk about something stupid. Um, We're going to talk about something that is not fun. Mark Emmert stepped down this week as the president of the NCAA. Um, Well, not officially. The NCAA announced that he's going to be stepping down by June 2023 at the latest. Um, if they find his replacement before then, then he will be out before then. But June 2023, at the latest, the president of an organization that a Supreme Court justice said is operating flatly illegally um, <laughs> is out. So, Spencer, I have you today. We're just going to talk about, like, what's going on with the NCAA. Yeah. This conversation can naturally flow to... NIL stuff to transfer portal stuff to college football breaking away and doing its own thing to like there's a bunch of different directions that we can go with this. Um, it didn't seem like many people were too terribly surprised whenever news came out that Emmert was stepping down, but it also came a year ago, like a to the week a year after he got a contract extension. Um, Interesting. And that contract extension, according to reports, was going to pay him close to $3 million a year to be yeah. the president of the NCAA. So when this gets announced and you're sort of reading through um, the statements that are given by the NCAA and they they called it a mutual agreement between both sides to step away, the NCAA board of governors, and then Mark Emmert to step away. Now, <laughs> when there's a breakup, it's, if if people say it's mutual, it is not mutual. And in this particular situation, I there's no part of me that believes that this was mutual. Mark Emmert had the best job in the country. Oh, I just can I
1: disagree with that. I I go, I think, go for it. And I then think let me the, qualify. I think the you know salary aside, he was making two point seven almost three million dollars. That's a ton of money. But salary aside, I think this is the worst job in all of sports. No, no, okay, okay. So let me qualify what I said. Okay, I agree with
0: you that I think as they try to fill this position, it's going to be a nightmare for them because I don't no. think anybody is going to want it. And we, we can get into that. I don't think anybody wants it. If everybody is like, "Well, let Greg Sankey do it," it's a step down. That's yeah. That's a it's a big step down to go from SEC commissioner to NCAA president because in reality. The NCAA president position might not exist in three years, and the SEC commissioner position might soon become czar of college football. Like so, like in that sense, it's a bad position. But Mark Emmert had a very cushy job. He didn't he had no power. He couldn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He showed up to events and got paid $3 million a year to be a punching bag. I would do that. If you wanted to pay me three million dollars a year for people on Twitter to yell at me 365, I would do it. I would just, I would not be on social media, and I would count my three million dollars, and I would buy all the Yu-Gi-Oh cards that I wanted, and I would have my home <laughs> office set up the way that I wanted it, and I'd be happy. So, like, to Mark, I don't think that Mark Emmert is just going to be like,
1: yeah, no, okay, I don't want to yeah. do it anymore. Look, he, I mean, he, Mark Emmert is almost seventy years old, so like, it's plausible to me that he was just like done with the BS, right? Like, yeah, with sure. with, with the state of the NCAA right now, like you said. You know, there's lots of different outcomes where the NCAA doesn't really exist as it has. You know, three, five, ten years from now, and look, man, he's he he put in his time. All right, like he made plenty of money. He's about to drift into his 70s, and yeah, like I, I don't know. He I, I he, guess he the, made he can you know live on a beach in San Diego or where I don't know where he lives. Live on a beach for the rest of his life. Like I cares? guess the point I wanted to make was that he
0: felt like a a person in a position of power that was just milking out as much as he could. yeah, As much money as he could, as much time as he could. And the NCAA's Board of Governors said, this is a person that we cannot continue to have in a leadership position for our organization because moving forward, we are entering into an era of college athletics that I think is going to be defined by just complete instability.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what the last few years has been. He's obviously left a huge you know huge problems behind here um and i think you know if if it is in fact that he was pushed out which i think is reasonable um as you're saying like they probably just want somebody with some new ideas like some a a fresh take on kind of what the situation is like there are some things that the the, you know that are happening in college football and college basketball right now like the transfer portal and nil that i I don't think you can really put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Like that stuff is like, I mean, like good luck to whoever tries to quote unquote fix that. Like you're not fixing the fact that like players have power now, like that, you know, that's, that's the world that we live in. These coaches that have been complaining about it. The most recent one was Bill Self that I saw the other day. Like I, you know, why should we care what Bill Self thinks? Bill Self is another guy that makes what five, $6 million a year, or he's about to, you know, after winning another national title, like, I you know I'm happy to see these kids have more power in terms of like you know w- what the rest of their collegiate careers are going to look like. Now there there's lots of instability, like you said, and I, I do think there's some some regulations or maybe some um, some different things you can tweak to kind of make this better for everybody. But I mean, college sports as we've known it is it, it's not coming back, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I um putting the genie back in the bottle is like one of the points that I was going to bring up in a little bit like especially with NIL and with transfer portal I don't know how you walk back the doors that you right. opened I don't I don't know how you close and like I was listening to Jimbo Fisher talk on the Rich Eisen show recently and he said exactly that he was like look all of us coaches can complain about stuff because everybody sees the problem but none of us know how to actually fix the problem and I think that's the biggest issue with Emmert. And I'm going to use, I'm going to borrow a phrase that Jimbo used in that interview where he said, he was talking about NIL. And he said, it seems like the, the, everybody, you know, the route that you would normally go with change, with something new for you is ready, aim, fire. And he said, with NIL, we said ready, fire, aim, which, which is, I mean, it's really accurate to describe what happened, but that is like, I think that's going to be the biggest problem with the biggest lasting problem with emmert is there was just no there was no foresight yeah there was no like there. there it, everything was so reactive and it was slowly reactive on the ncaa's part over the last decade as opposed to i think like what they're going to look for now and i think that there's going to be i think there's going to be two um two pathways that the ncaa can take from, from this point forward, because I think this is like, I think this is an inflection point. They're going to go with fresh idea person that's going to modernize NCAA operating practices, that's going to bring it into the 21st century, so to speak, that's going to have them be more forward-thinking, more preemptive in policy, things like that. And they will continue to be an entity. The other path, and I guess you know, like if you have a podcast and you want to talk about something like this, like you have to have a take, like, this is my take, I guess, for this podcast. The other path that I think is more likely is there's no one knows how to fix the problems that have been created. And you can't like players aren't going to want to give back the control and the power that they now have that they just got. And I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to have a really hard time finding somebody that fits everything that they want for this position. And that actually wants the position because yeah. I, I could really see a situation where they're just like, we're just going to throw as much money at this person and they're going to take it because it's a ton of money. And that's, that's, you know, that's like bad faith starting point. Like that's not where you want to be starting from. And in five years, the NCAA is not going to be a thing. And we're going to have college football operating under its own, governing body its own set of rules maybe there's a board of governors maybe there's a commissioner or something like like every ad wants a commissioner every coach wants a commissioner they want like a central figurehead yep. and that's not the ncaa president and when that's the case i don't know how this organization is going to continue to function
1: yeah i mean there, look there's a lot of structural things that they just need to figure out right like I mean, yeah, if you have a commissioner, do you have to have a union? Because that's certainly, you know, a player's union, because that's certainly something that the NCAA has, you know, rallied against. Um, but, you know, like the NIL stuff, like with with kind of where it's going right now, I, I kind of question the overall impact that that stuff is going to have. Because, like, if you look at the teams that are, have, like, perceived to have benefited the most like let's say texas a&m right because they they just had the number one recruiting class in the country come in in february like that's a rich fan base anyway like those like in rich you know whoever has the most money has dominated college football for as long as college football has been a thing you know 60 70 years or not a, you know what i mean like college football has been around longer than that but as we know it right since you know even going back a couple eras like whoever has the most money wins and to me like that has not changed. Like, you know, Miami paying Nigel Pack, who's a basketball transfer from Kansas state, $800,000 and giving him a car like that, you know, we, we know about that deal now. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, it's above board now and not that Miami has been a program that has historically, you know, um, had like a ton of booster support necessarily. They've had some, but it's been inconsistent, but I mean, there's just, but at the same time, like now they're, you know, the boosters are backing the program and we're about to see which, you know, which programs have those boosters and, or, you know, community support. And those are the teams that are going to win. And frankly, those are the teams that have always won in, in college athletics.
0: Can I give you an opinion of mine and ask you if that is grounded in any kind of reality whatsoever? Sure. Okay. So Travis Hunter... Decommits from Florida State, commits to Jackson State. Everybody freaks out. Yeah. Oh my God! Number one player in the country just committed to not power five school. Yeah. What do we do? And immediately, the the the, the reasoning that people latched onto was obviously he got a massive NIL deal. My question for you, what I. I wonder if like cuz we didn't have NIL collectives. Like I wasn't hearing about this. Right. This is a, this a yeah, year this ago. Thing. Yeah. This is this is a relatively new thing. Yeah. And I was listening to Nick Saban talk about his NIL situation. Bryce Young got a bunch of money a year ago before there was any like collectives or anything like that that were supposedly paying for players, right? He supposedly he got nil deals for what nil deals were originally intended to be for. Um, and then the Travis Hunter thing happens, and everybody says, "Oh well, he's he obviously went to Jackson State because he got an nil deal, some huge deal." So now we see all these collectives popping up, and I don't know if they're if they're related. But my question to you is, as somebody that pays closer attention to the ACC. Is Florida State, like, have they jumped in on the NIL situation? Like, is there a collective that has sprung up down there? Do they believe that that Travis Hunter went, that scorned them or whatever
1: because of NIL money? I haven't seen that take out there. I mean, look, it's it's been a few months since that happened. Um, if Florida State does not have an NIL collective, I certainly expect that they will soon. I mean, that fan base is as passionate as any in the country, and, you know, they've got a large alumni base, like, you know, uh, even like Oklahoma the other day announced that they have a, you know, that they're starting an NIL collective where, uh, you know, every player is going to be paid essentially a stipend of like 40 000 to $50,000 that they earn through, you know, community work and things and stuff like that. Like every team is going to have that a salary, salary, Spencer. It's a salary. Let's go foul. stipend. I- I <laughs> <foul>. <laughs> Look, I mean, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter what you want to call it. Like, okay. right. Like, Salary stipend, like they're getting paid and good for them. Like they've, you know, players have deserved to have gotten paid this for a a long time. Like these coaches have had million dollars salaries for a long time and the players have been compensated with a a scholarship, which has some, some sort of value, I guess. Um, But yeah, like Florida, you know, Florida state um, is certainly in that tier of program that I think is, is going to be competitive in this and i don't know that it's fair to say that travis hunter left solely because of an nil deal at jackson state like i, I think deon sanders presence there certainly has quite a bit of pull um i mean i always wondered about that that that
0: notion because how much money does jackson state have how many how many like wealthy boosters does jackson state have like not deon sanders
1: I, I don't know like. not
0: a, i mean not in, <laughs> in florida state though right
1: yeah, like if that the was just, if that was a situation you exactly. we were bidding for players, you know, right. And I, I, that's what I'm saying like I, they could not have outbid Forest State. I think that, you know, and Jackson State got a few guys in this class. I think I think three or four blue chippers uh, that they stole from FBS programs. And I'm sure that as long as they win next year, and like as long as those players perform well, and maybe a few years from now, Travis Hunter will be drafted in the first round, and you know. If, if Deion is still at Jackson State by then and he hasn't gotten a better job, then I bet that you know, you'll still see a, a few guys a year end up taking that path. Um, but, like, yeah, from an NIL perspective, like once these big schools really get their ducks in a row, you're not going to be able to – I wouldn't think that they'd be able to compete with that.
0: And I think the pie-in-the-sky thought with NIL was that you know, particularly with Nebraska, because Nebraska thought that it was going to be a real recruiting tool for them as they embraced it, as the legislative body in the state was, was among the first to sort of draft legislation for NIL. Um, Nebraska was thinking that it was going to be a tool for them to use in recruiting. And instead, what it has become is the same schools that had all of the, the best tools before now have that tool. Exactly. And it's not, it's not really a tool anymore. It's just like a thing. It's a thing that you have to have
1: because I mean, this is or, like when, you know, when Oregon started getting all these kids because their facilities were better than everybody else. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, what happened? Like everybody else started building awesome state of the art facilities. Clemson like, put a slide in their facility. Yeah. <laughs> like Tennessee LSU had sleep pods yeah.
0: in their locker room. Like yeah, it turned I mean, into this insane thing. We're just going to do everything. Oh, yeah, while yeah. while
1: we were in Oklahoma, they rebuilt their entire practice facility to the point where for two seasons they were, you know, basically, you know, their locker rooms were in like mobile trailers. Like they spent two years there so that they could build the state of the art facility. And their practice field was
0: like a billion miles away from
1: campus. That was incredible. Yeah, they played literally on the rugby fields, yeah, um, <laughs> like behind Lloyd Noble Center, yeah. which is, by the way, where they still practiced under Lincoln Riley. Um, towards the end you know now now that venables is there now they actually use their fields but that's that's a that's another story we don't need to get into that on this podcast well Uh, you
0: mentioned lincoln riley yeah. that's that's another place that i want to go because i the the transfer portal and the nil problem if you want to call it a problem they're they're interrelated i I don't think you can have both
1: i think you can have one or you can have the other i don't think you can have both Here's the thing that I, the only thing that I think you can fix. I talked about the, um, you know, the genie in the bottle and I, I don't know how to do it. I don't have any ideas for, for how to do it, but like the tampering that goes on that all these coaches have acknowledged is happening. Like that is the thing I think that you can identify and, or, you know, try to report, investigate and try to just really crack down on that. Like that stuff is the only, the only option that I see for, for kind of tempering, that like melting pot of chaos that you see in college football right now. Like, because if, you know, like if Nigel, like let's use Tyrese Hunter, for example, and I'm not saying anybody tampered with Tyrese Hunter specifically, but he transfers from Iowa state after a standout freshman season where he goes from like a borderline, you know, or not borderlines, not fair, but he was a four-star prospect. Like, and now he's a long-term NBA prospect. Like he's probably going to get drafted at some point. And he transfers from Iowa state after his freshman season, he releases a top six and it's all blue bloods. So like what, like did, I guess maybe he just knew like, okay, I had an awesome year. I can just transfer. And maybe nobody from those schools contacted him or contacted anybody in his family, but maybe they did like five years from now or five years ago. If this Tyrese Hunter situation plays out, he's probably playing his sophomore year at Iowa state. I would, I would have to imagine. And, I, I, there's plenty of examples of stuff like this. I mean, coaches have, uh, Dabo Swinney, um, Jimbo Fisher, just a couple off the top of my head that have acknowledged like the tampering that goes on in college sports. And I think that is the element that you have to kind of tamp down if, if you want to get a hold of this. Well, here's one that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I read about this the other day. Mack Brown, who's the head
0: coach in North Carolina, said in an interview that he had a player come to him in his office and say, I have this NIL package for this dollar amount offered to me from school X. Can you match that? <laughs> and if you can, I'm coming here. That's the problem. And like, yeah, like
1: that's, that's the stuff you have to cut out because
0: like, and it's but not, how do you cut that out? Is the problem? And I know you don't have the answer. Nobody has the answer.
1: Yeah, nobody like, has, like but like, you know, to me, that is technically fixable on us. Like, you know, there's been tampering scandals in the NBA and tampering happens in that like, well, yeah, (laughs) like tampering (laughs) happens in that like teams talk to free agents before. Right. But like, like Sam Presti is not your Rob Palenka is probably a better example is not like courting Zach Levine right now. Right. To like come to the Lakers while he's still under contract for the bulls for one or two more years. Like, and that stuff, you know the nba and you know the that stuff's not happening in the nfl or in major league baseball either they just need to figure out how to self police some of that the this tampering stuff i mean cuz it that's out of control yeah the i i heard that, i was watching a i
0: don't remember who said it was on 247 video um someone said that uh, nick saban does not go to players players come to alabama and ask do you have a spot for me that's not something that you're going to be able to like Rule out like that's not something that you're gonna be able to just get rid of. Like, right? Players want to go play at the best school that's gonna get them drafted. So, like, as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, players are gonna want to play at Alabama. If they have a good year, they're gonna be like, "Hey, I wonder if I could go play at Alabama." That's That's true. But now he says he does. He says he didn't. Do you believe that Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, said (laughs) goodbye to Caleb Williams, and then did not talk to Caleb Williams again? for like a month and a half until he went into the transfer portal.
1: Absolutely, I he didn't? Do ab- you believe him? Absolutely
0: not. <laughs> Why okay. would you
1: believe that?
0: <laughs> so, like, here's, here's the thing that I wonder, like, if this is a way. Lincoln Riley has been very outspoken about the pitfalls and problems of the transfer portal. Lincoln Riley has also built what he says is going to be the most unique roster in the history of college football by using the transfer portal and using the transfer portal more than anybody else. It's got the number one transfer class, according to two, four, seven sports. The anti dabo If, if, if you have issues with it, I wonder if the way to like force fix those issues is to not
1: use it the way you're using it <laughs> like yeah well because on high school kids an idea just popped into my head i mean what if you you know we limit and I, we is in like college football the institute of lay limits the number of kids that you can take in a particular signing class what if you limit the number of kids you can take in a transfer portal class to like five or seven or ten I don't, i don't know what the number is but like you know, wh- wh- why, not, why not limit that number? Because then, like, you know, the 1,200 college basketball players that are in the portal right now, and obviously that number, you know, the five ten number would be smaller for basketball just because the rosters are so much smaller. But if they know, hey, there's only, like, X number of potential power five spots open, and there may not even be that many, then, like, maybe you do think less about, or, you know, you do think more about potentially entering the portal if you're, if you're in kind of a fringe situation.
0: Yeah, I think part part two, and way that like media can help it because I like I have a problem with this. Too. I do this too. There's like a there's a there's a and it's a smaller issue, but it's an issue with the way that we talk about the portal. So I'm not going to use Nebraska because I don't want it to like I don't want I don't want people to like. It, let's say player. Let's say an offensive lineman from Northwestern who is a reserve offensive lineman at Northwestern who didn't play redshirted his first year, barely got on the field a second year. Now he's in the portal. When that player enters the portal, the story that we write up is about the things that he didn't do. Couldn't get on the field. Didn't do this. Didn't do that. In the headline, we use reserve offensive lineman. Let's say that player transfers to Iowa state. I guess Iowa state pops into my head. Cause you just talked about, them. um, it's a power five to power five transfer. So when we write the player X transfers to Iowa state, we use language like impact transfer, push for starting snaps um, yep. depth in the room. That's, I mean, that's part of the problem is we have, you know, we have in a sense glorified sort of being that missing piece. And I think that a bunch of people now sort of, instead of operating under the assumption that, you are picking a college for four years of development. You are picking a college to be the missing piece, to be like that guy that wins a title. And when you don't play, you think that you can be the missing piece at another place. You can be a guy that right. win- that that wins it for them at another place.
1: Or, or you're transferring for a specific role, right? Like, okay, here's a good example. Um, OU just had a point guard named Emoja Gibson, who's been a really good scorer for them the last couple of years, enter the portal. And it was it was pretty surprising. He had basically already announced that he was coming back. Um, he said he was going to enter the draft, but said he was doing so with the intent of returning. Uh, but he ends up leaving. Uh, there's some speculation that OU may have another point guard commit. And Gibson, is his style is more of a, a shooting guard, but he's like, 5'11", like he's, he, you know, if he has any chance of playing professional basketball anywhere, it's going to be as a point guard. And so he he kind of realized like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play point guard at Oklahoma. I need to find somewhere where I can so that I can try to show off those skills, right? Like, that's just an example. And I'm, you know, I'm sure there are, there's examples on the football side of things too. But yeah, so it's either like, I'm either the missing piece for, you know, like Jared Verse transferring to Florida State. Um, big linebacker going to be a, a great pass rusher for them this year. Transfer from Albany. Um, now he's going to replace Jermaine Johnson on their edge, who was going to be a top ten pick in the draft tonight, top fifteen. Like that is more the prototype of what you're talking about. We're like, okay, now I can go be the missing piece in this Florida State team, have a couple years to play, and then try to go to the NFL. But like I, you know, you also feel like you're you're potentially making a difference, could win the ACC. And you know, Florida State's a team that's won the national title in the last decade. Like that's appealing to kids too. Here's um, I have this in my notes. Is a quote from Nick Saban on the transfer portal.
0: And like, I have used Nick Saban as a as an example a handful of times because Nick Saban is one of those guys that when he talks about stuff, it's a warning shot <laughs> because he's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like it's I, a threat. It, yeah, it's <laughs> there it was something that he was like, "Are you sure this is what you want college football to be?" Oh, it was. It, he was talking about offensive like renaissance in college football. And this was before Alabama decided that it was going to be a death star on offense. Um, And he was like, are we sure that this is what we want college football to be? And everybody interpreted it as him saying he's scared of offensive advancements in the game. And no, it was Nick Saban saying, I'm going to be able to recruit whoever the hell I want to recruit. So if you want to turn the game towards this direction, we're going to continue to be unstoppable. Um, So Nick Saban says this on the transfer portal Everybody has an opportunity to go wherever they want to go, whenever they want to go. And if we think that's good for the development of young people, I guess it's okay. But I think everyone that's successful in life has resiliency and perseverance. Sometimes resiliency and perseverance. We've had a lot of guys. Mac Jones was in the program for three years and worked and developed so he could be successful. B-Rob, Brian Robinson, I'm assuming, uh, was a fifth-year guy that didn't play much and had a great career. And now he has an opportunity to play at the next level. Somebody gave me a stat that our players have made $1.7 billion playing in the NFL since 2007. And all of those guys didn't play when they were freshmen. They didn't all play when they were sophomores. They didn't even all play when they were juniors, but they all developed. And I think that's what college is all about. You're supposed to focus on your development. Um, And the interpretation of that quote was, oh my God, make the social media images, make the postcards, send them out. Nick Saban has another recruiting pitch. He has another sales pitch. I don't think that's what that was. It is a sales pitch. It is a recruiting pitch. Yeah. That was, hey. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And the NCAA released numbers that almost half of the players that have gone into the transfer portal have not come out of the transfer portal. And I saw, to localize this to Nebraska, I saw a player who will not be named, basically tweeting hey is any school looking for a player with my size and skill set at my position and i thought well nebraska the school you left nebraska could use that and if you had stayed you know
1: i don't know what happens um yeah you know I- can i can i just say like on the on the statement quote like some of that is ridiculous, right? I mean, like Jermaine Johnson, who I mentioned a minute ago, transferred. Like, he was at Georgia for two years. Then he was ACC defensive player of the year last year. Like, Joe Burrow didn't play at Ohio State. Guess what? It, he transferred, and it didn't ruin his career. Like, yeah, there I are mean, multiple paths. Like, like yeah. Baker Mayfield didn't, you know, like, Kyler Murray. Like, there's plenty of transfer success stories out there. Yes. Um, and, by the way, before Sabin made those comments, he went and got – a running back from Georgia Tech named Jameer Gibbs, who was, frankly, I know nobody's ever heard of this kid because he played at Georgia Tech. He just, don't like, win any games. was just
0: like, I want this really good running
1: back, so I, now I have this really good running back. But he he was legitimately one of the most dynamic skill guys in the entire ACC last year, and now he's on Alabama. Yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I, have, I mean, Alabama was already doing this. You know, I,
0: like, I have, like, defended before. I don't think that we should be villainizing or demonizing players that go into the transfer portal. Um, because like in the same way that we kind of make them out to be like reserve and then, um, you know, missing piece, impact transfer, whatever there is like when a player enters the portal, it's, Oh, well, we didn't need them. We can get somebody else. And then when you get a player from the portal, it's, this is the best day ever. Um, they're the best person ever, even though when they entered, it was because they didn't have a like work ethic or, or whatever. Um, but I mean, like, there is, there is a lot of truth to what Saban is saying. Like, there's not how many people. Like, is isn't the number approaching three thousand of college of players that have entered the transfer portal? The number is absurd. I don't know the number off the top of my head. It's insane yeah. of the players that have gone into the transfer portal. There are not that many spots. It's not. It's not all about no. like. I it, like if you if you don't play no. your first year, like. I can promise you the development that you're going to get from a power five coaching staff and from a power five program, from a resource standpoint, the resources that you're going to have available to you, it's going to be better for you long-term than going to a school like Albany state and playing a year. And like, in, in some instances, you know, and as I say this, it kind of sounds like I'm demonizing transfer players. I'm not in some instances. It's not what I mean to players just want to play and you've like sat for three years and you don't see a path to playing time and you just want to play. And there are players that are in that situation and then they drop down to, you know, G5, FCS, what have you, and they play. And then they stay at that school and they play more. And then they stay at that school and they play more. And then they try to go to the pros. You can get to the pros from the FCS level. But there are also players that don't play at power five school X and then transfer to, a lower level g5 fcs whatever they drop down and then they have a good year and then they want to come back to the power five
1: just stay stay and develop yeah i mean it's but like you know in those instances are they being you know is it some power five school being like hey we've got a spot for you and like what are, of course they're gonna say like yeah i would love to have like better facilities playing at a bigger school playing on national tv every week like you know, and yes, you can get to the pros from the FCS level, and you certainly can from the G5 level, but your odds are better at a top school. Like when the NFL draft happens tonight, over half the first round picks are going to be from the SEC, I bet, you know, or something somewhere around there. Like yeah. And the Big Ten is going to have another quarter of that, right? And then, you know, maybe there's three or four pick. when well, the ACC is going to have four or five, but like, you know, the Big 12 will have two or three, Pac-12 will have three or four. And then, like, maybe there's an FCS or, you know, a couple G5 guys mixed in. I don't know. But, like, on average, it's dominated by the same schools that it's dominated by every year that it's been dominated by for decades. And, yeah, I mean, like, the portal is is just another beast. I, I will say, I think at some point, one, I think some of this will level off. Yeah. But, two, I think we're just going to get used to it. Like, I think coaches are just going to adapt. Like, we're in, like, I don't know. Like, is this the second or third year of, like, this being – just full chaos. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like coaches haven't adjusted yet. They're still kind of in the denial phase, I think of, uh, of this whole situation, but you know, it is what it is. Like everyone's going to have to adapt and the, the coaches who adapt the best and the programs who adapt the best are, are going to win.
0: Yeah, and I also think players are smart, and players are seeing what is happening to other players as they go into the transfer yep. portal and then struggle to find a, a similar spot to come out of. And I, you know, I've said for since the beginning, I think that this is going to be like a situation that's going to explode and be sort of problematic, and then it's going to kind of, in some instances, it's going to kind of soothe itself along, and it's going to it's going to be a, a little bit smoother of a ride. But um, to to sort of bring this back to Emmert and the NCAA and things like that. I just don't, I, 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 as we see more and more like NIL influence on things, I am sort of questioning if that smoothing is actually going to happen. Because if, if that story that Mac Brown told is true, like if that's happening to I'm sure it is, yeah, North Carolina, like that's happening everywhere. And if that's happening, yeah. like you're not going to
1: fix the portal because well, yeah, why do you think these coaches know that they're being that their players are being tampered with? I'm sure all of them are, you know, dealing with some form of this. As
0: much as coaches want to, you know, say that everything is above board, like it's a bottom line business and they get fired if they don't win and they need to do certain things to win and there are coaches that will do a bunch of stuff to win and, you know, it's going to happen. And it's has been happening. <laughs> this is the other part of it is like all of this stuff has has been happening. It's not like it's new. There's an yeah. FBI investigation into players getting paid for the play. Like it which was Quinn under-
1: yours was not the first quarterback to be
0: paid. Mark Emmert's watch, by the way. I we could I could I want to run through his resume because it's incredible. Um like it 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 has happened and is going to continue to happen. But I do wonder if like we're gonna reach a point where we can have one NIL, players being able to, to be compensated or we can have loose transfer restrictions. Because if
1: we got both No, it's it's both. It's both. It's 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 gotta be both.
0: You gotta kinda of figure out you gotta try to figure out a way. I don't you know I I don't I don't
1: it's that's the be, like that's a you gotta figure out a, a way to police tampering. We're gonna I get in the Super like, League then
0: it's that's what's going to happen it's going to be european soccer's attempt yeah. at a super league it's going to happen and it's going to be the sec with 32 teams or 34 teams or whatever it is and it's going to be the haves and the have nots and it's going to be even worse than it already has been
1: that's what it's been forever like i mean that, you know the the first playoff that we got so my question know, to you there was a little question, bit of variety right is that a problem um i think it's like, it's not ideal, but at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, I guess I do think that there will be some ebbs and flows to some of this, right? Like, you know, Alabama was terrible for like most of our early childhoods, right? Like, and if the next two coaches after Sabin suck, then Alabama is going to suck, right? Like it, a lot of this is infrastructure and coaching on a specific level. Oklahoma was bad. Nebraska's been in a little bit of a rut here for a while now, right? Like, I appreciate you for ten- calling it a rut. You are now ten- one of
0: the best <laughs> guests on this podcast. You, call it a rut. you came in from outside of
1: Nebraska and you called it a rut. So everybody loves you now. Well done, I, know, I know your audience. Uh, Tennessee has won the national title in what, like 1998. They have not been anywhere close since Philip Fulmer retired. Like, Sometimes these programs, you know, can can crash and fall. Clemson after Dabo leaves, however, you know he? Who knows what he does, you know, moving forward. He's he's a guy who is threatened to to quit coaching if players got paid. So uh, we'll
0: <laughs> see if uh, it seems wonderful. like
1: that. You know, we'll, it seems like that is not going to hold true. But like these programs do, do ebb and flow for a certain amount, like. The ones that are in the most, fer, you know, recruiting fertile ground are the ones that typically come up, you know, the most often, right? Like, what's USC, with USC Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, LSU, Auburn. Um, you know, those teams have been good for eighty years, and they're going to continue to be good with with uh, you know some certain ups and downs.
0: Yeah, can
1: I? I, I in my notes, I have a, a little bit of a resume.
0: From Mark Emmert. Can I read this to you? Yeah. He was a university president, right? He was. He was a university president before yeah. taking the job. Um, and I have only gone back, I think, six years. In 2016, he signed an extension with CBS Turner Sports for March Madness broadcasting rights when there were eight years left on the existing deal. And it reportedly cost the NCAA, or lost the NCAA three point five billion dollars because he signed it so early.
1: I mean, look, they they like March Madness is I think the most valuable television property in the like in any sport in the world. Like if you you know combine all the games and stuff, maybe the World Cup beats it out, but that's an every four years thing, so it's kind of hard to quantify. So I'm sure they still made a ton of money, but yeah, they yeah, yeah. I, I think it was eight point eight um, was the
0: number, which yeah, is out a play, which is a ton of money, but. Yeah. I mean, lost about yeah. a quarter of it for an organization. There is a different for a person like 3.5 billion, like a difference between 11, or that'd be 11.3 million or no, that'd be 12.3 million, 12.3 million. And 8.8, and 8, the difference is, is three and a half. It's nothing like you, yeah. you already have eight
1: million. But maybe if they had that $3 billion, they could, um, figure out this infractions case on Nebraska a little bit quicker. (laughs) And you lost your audience. (laughs) Um, I thought you were going to go
0: with like, maybe they could actually like pay for some workout equipment at the women's tournament. Um, I
1: I wanted to localize it. Okay. Well,
0: I'm sure people appreciate that. 2018 (laughs) Emmert defends the NCAA's position on sexual assaults following a report that he ignored sexual assault allegations in 2010 at Michigan state. 2020 COVID. That's all I have in my notes. COVID, COVID, yeah. COVID, mess. Every single coach in the country wants centralized rules. We don't have it. 2021. That, that was Kevin p- Warren's fault, though, right? I mean, Kevin Warren in the Ivy League. If you have a college football commissioner or figurehead, a, yeah, a figurehead that apps that actually like knows what he's doing. Like, Kevin Warren doesn't get to just do whatever he wants to do because he has to play by the same rules that every other league is playing by. Um, 2021, the Supreme Court rules unanimously that the NCAA cannot impose caps on education-related benefits. And a few weeks later, the NCAA clears the way for athletes to earn compensation based on their NIL. And during that ruling, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh famously said, That the NCAA's business model, quote, would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. And Mark Emmert was the guy operating that industry. 2021, also 2021, um, and this was sparked by an Oregon women's basketball player sharing a viral video on TikTok. TikTok is the avenue, is, is is the means of creating change called out the NCAA for his inequitable treatment of the men's and women's basketball tournaments. And that led to a 118-page report to review gender equity problems in NCAA basketball. And for the first time this year, the NCAA women's basketball tournament got to use March Madness branding.
1: Yeah, it's insane that they were not able to do that before then. And I aren't they now? They're, they're going to be at the same hosts in a few years now, right? I believe so. I believe they they made they've made that change as well.
0: There is also literally an FBI investigation into the sport of men's college basketball. Is it
1: is that ongoing? I mean, I think la- the FBI part's over. The yeah, FBI part is
0: over, over, but the lasting image of Mark Emmert as the NCAA president. Because look, I don't think that this. Like I said, I don't think this is going to drag out to twenty twenty three. I think they're going to find a replacement. Um, relatively quickly because they need to. Well,
1: you so put your name in the hat. So the
0: I already did. <laughs> um, most of these most of these organizations just have like support at and then whatever the organization name is .org and that's their email address. So I yeah. emailed my resume to uh, support at ncaa .org and I'm hoping to hear back soon. Um, the lasting image of Mark Emmer as the president of the NCAA could very well be him handing the national championship trophy in college basketball to a coach and a program that are currently being investigated for multiple level one allegations, and then calling that school
1: by the wrong name. (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to remember that tidbit. I was was going to tack that on too. the The Kansas city Jayhawks. If I got paid close to $3 million a year, I would
0: never leave that job. He doesn't even know where the University of Kansas is located.
1: Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Look, I mean, you know, tongue. Maybe, but, but, kansas it's not the first time that Kansas City has confused, uh, you know, people in positions of power before.
0: Man, <laughs> like what a what a way to go out. What yeah. a way to go out. This man's a legend. Now, all, all yeah. finesse team, all finesse team.
1: Look, yeah, he's 70 years old. He's got, I mean, th- this is also the thing, like, when did he start being the NCAA president? Do you have that written down? 2010, 2011. Okay. So this he's man just made this, this man made bank for a decade. And before that, it's not like he was doing poorly. He was a university president at, you know, several top places. Like he's gonna, nobody is ever gonna hear this man's name again. No, <laughs> once they name his replacement, like he's gonna be anonymous. I mean, well, he might. He like, but it would only be in like, um,
0: it, it would be in not very glowing conversations towards him. Like I, he's, his name would yeah. be cursed. But we're not gonna care what Mark Emmert says ever it, again. Right? Who Who cares? Yeah. yeah. I, guess, I mean I mean I guess there are there are benefits to both ways. Like you can continue to get paid to not do a job or you can just fade into obscurity and sit on your millions of dollars that you collected. I would do I would do that job for half. I, you know <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would. <laughs> problem is <laughs> they're not going to find they'd be able to find anybody that's qualified to do it. Maybe we could get at the job. Maybe there's not
1: going to be Yeah, want. I don't know. I mean, who's to say? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like Joe Castiglione, you know, Trev Alberts, like that, you know, ADs like that that are at Power 5 schools are not going to be interested in this job.
0: Hey, man, if Trev Alberts was running, I would trust Trev Alberts to run just about any organization in the country in any kind of business. I would trust him to run anything like Chick-fil-A operating things trev alberts trev alberts is close man he's close like and that is that is saying because
1: i i mentioned the rut that you guys have been in earlier like having an ad that you have that much confidence in is legitimately the most important thing to getting out of that rut it is like you have like he does need to actually hire a you know a successful football coach after presumably scott frost is gone um not to and his you know, his tenure so suddenly here. On, I mean uh, I mean in, Tom Osborne uh, April. Was here for a long time and won a national championship
0: like after a very long time. So like right. Scott Frost is 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 Tom Osborne two 0. So we're not we're not worried about okay, that. Okay,
1: we'll roll with that. But let's just say like Scott Frost, you know, doesn't make it to, to twenty twenty three. Like he does need to make a a great hire, right? But at the same time, I'd sure as heck rather be Nebraska right now than Michigan State, you know, consider when you consider the divisions and like the you know like, the Big Ten West is winnable, man. Like, you can go get the Big Ten West. You can beat Iowa and Wisconsin. Like, they're not – those are not death stars in the no. way that, like, Ohio State and even, like, Michigan and Penn State have been for the last decade or so. The problem, if you're Nebraska, is you
0: are going to constantly have to play all of those schools because the Big Ten Conference hates you from a scheduling standpoint.
1: So – Is it not just, like, a fair, like, two-year cycle for –
0: it's, it's supposed to be. <laughs> It's supposed to be.
1: Well, go, geez, I wonder why Kevin you, Warren hates Nebraska so much. You go from I, I couldn't flight, put my finger on why. <laughs>
0: Ohio State for five years every year when it's destroying people. And now you get Michigan. When Michigan finally beats Ohio State, finally has a team that can beat Ohio State. Now you gotta start a five year window with Michigan. So have fun with that.
1: Well, That's, pretty soon Harbaugh will be in the NFL and you know, then Michigan. You know, Michigan's another team that was kind of you know, lost for a little while. Like, you know, it ebbs and flows. You just have to time it right. I read a, I think it was in the Athletic, a
0: story uh, about how uh, Jim Harbaugh at Kansas was almost a thing. And when? I can't even imagine after uh, Mangino left. What? I can't even imagine a world in which Jim Harbaugh is coaching at Kansas, at, at Kansas State, at Kansas City
1: University. Didn't I can't, he, did, I can't Tur- even did Turner Gill replace mangino do i have that right did they hire uh, i think did they, did they hire they've been in purgatory since i mean look i guess it's kind of fair because mangino you know i mean shoot people forget they want an orange bowl under they were an,
0: you know, an orange bowl it was insane yeah
1: Akeem they had Tlaib. you know they keep to leave chris harris jr todd racing like you know they had some pretty good teams there yeah he built that he built that team into
0: um a a perennial, like, high-level bowl program. Which is why whenever anybody says that Nebraska can't be good, I just laugh. Like, I just
1: Here's the thing. Like, this is a great example of what I was just talking about with the divisions. Because Kansas did that in the Big 12 North, which did not have like, I mean, well, frankly, Nebraska was in the Big 12 North at the time, right? But like, you know, you didn't have Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, right? It was Nebraska, Kansas State, and missouri and like uh nebraska like nebraska's oh, a nebraska. Tier above like Nebraska is a tier above the rest of those teams but like that's still a winnable division and you know in, in a much easier path to like the big 12 title game and kansas took advantage of that
0: well at the time at the point uh turner gill took over at kansas yeah. nebraska was no longer in the big 12 so yeah completely winnable
1: well, but yeah, I think the principle stands. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with what you're saying. 100 percent And then yeah, yeah. So it was Charter Gale and then Charlie Weiss and then David Beatty and then Les Miles. <laughs> Oof. Hey, look, yeah, Nebraska's not Kansas. We don't have to worry about
0: another that. another guy who uh in 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 one respect had a cushy job, Les Miles. People just kept giving him money. <laughs> Well, now he's disgraced. So now, yeah, now he's for for, um, legitimate reasons. But people just kept giving him money. Like if you're if you're in college athletics, man, if if you are a in a certain demographic, people are just going to give you money.
1: What I mean, one of those sayings is: once you have one of those jobs, you always have one of those jobs. Yeah, right. Like yeah. And Les Miles, if he didn't get into you know all the stuff that he got into off the field. He'd be a head coach somewhere because he won a national title at LSU. Yeah. What do you think? Sorry to sidetrack here real quick, but this is hilarious. So David Beatty coached 48 games at Kansas. How many do you think he won? Five. Six. Six. Six, yeah. Yeah, six. And if I'm not mistaken, one of them was – I think two of them were against Texas. (laughs) Well, he won two conference games. And I bet the other four wins were, were against FCS opponents. Yeah. They were Yeah, they were non-conference. I, he, I, I
0: swear they, <laughs> they beat Texas twice. I might have, I swear they beat Texas twice, but yes, I did look that up whenever um, it looked for a minute last season, like Kansas was going to beat Texas again. I did look up like Kansas's um, conference record in recent yeah. history. And like, it's like an
1: absurd, like, 40% of their wins are against Texas in conference play over a certain period of time. He he may be the worst. Like him and Chad Morris are probably the worst college football coaches in recent memory. can think of... Um, By the way, Kansas did beat Texas last year. They did? They did. They won 57-56 to 56 in Austin. <clears throat> and we put Texas 6th. <laughs> As a society, be <laughs> allowed Texas to be placed sixth
0: in FPI. There should have been yeah. riots in the street over that.
1: How did Sark not get fired? I feel like, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it seems like the how did college Sark- football I... community has already forgiven Texas for that. I didn't even remember that it happened. Yeah, I, I, I was with you. I, I remember it being a close call. Yeah, I thought. Well, they here's survived. what it was: 2019, Texas won by two. They won fifty to forty-eight in 2019. So hmm. I, I think.
0: I think Texas should not be allowed to claim a rivalry with any other school in college football except for Kansas until they can consistently beat Kansas. I think that should be a new rule. If you want to unite the college football public and just general sports, college sports public, here is a task, a day one task for the next president of the NCAA. Texas is not allowed to have an established or claimed rivalry with any other school in the country outside of Kansas until it can consistently beat Kansas on a football field. There you go. There is your day one. That's your platform that you
1: campaign on. This is a great example of, like, something that I think a college football commissioner should do is, like, have just, like, a set of arbitrary arbitrary rules where, like, if you lose to Kansas, your school can fire you for cause, right? Like, <laughs> or, like, you know, if you're USC and you lose – in Corvallis, back-to-back times like they did, you know, um, uh, in their—I think it was in the Pete Carroll era—it was like they had a bugaboo with with Oregon State and Corvallis. They kept losing there. Would then, that like your the Mike Riley years, I think it was still Pete Carroll because it was—it was, it was like know, a I'm huge about upset Oregon State. Oh, that might have been the Mike Riley years. Maybe, Maybe. yeah, maybe. But like, if that happens to you, if you're what? USC and you lose in Corvallis, you have a bull ban. Like, you know, like, there there just has to be some things that we just can't allow. As, you get relegated. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, you get rele- Like, you have to play, you know, or you can't play an FCS opponent for three years because you, you can't – like, you need to prove that you can win on the road in, at Oregon State before you yeah. can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, when I asked you earlier if a college football version of a Super League would be bad, if it leads to a system of promotion and relegation
1: – I will happily sign up. And that, yeah, will... I mean, pro rel has been my, my, I mean, we're both soccer guys. Like, yeah. that, that would be amazing. Like, yeah. And it would, right. it, it would fix, like, you know, Kansas would have had to get its crap together a lot sooner, right? Like, the Arizona schools would have to have their, their stuff in order or they'd be in a bottom tier. Now, that will never happen because of the reasons we're talking about. Like, even like, you know, Oklahoma in the nineties would have been relegated and they would have been, you know, had a terrible TV, you know, theoretically, you have a much worse TV deal or like your revenue goes way down. Like that's what happens in the premier league. Yep. Um, and so yeah, the schools are never going to sign up for that, but like, yeah, a super league where there's like a top division of college football where there's like, I don't know, could you do like a top 40, where, like, 40 schools are just competing for one trophy. Then there's, like, a middle division where they're competing for another trophy. And then maybe you have four divisions, but you don't have, but, like, yeah, if you do that, you have to have pro right? Yeah. Pro-rel. I wrote a
0: piece on HailVarsity.com, and I guess this is how I, we will wrap it up because I can plug the website. I wrote a piece on HailVarsity.com two or three years ago now um that was how to fix the college football playoff I believe and it was basically like the crux of it was blowing up conferences blowing up conference allegiances and creating essentially a super league that had a system of promotion and relegation and I think there were I think I had four major conferences with I want to say 16 teams in each and then I borrowed Bill Conley's pods idea for scheduling and then there were um, leagues like below that would directly feed into specific leagues at the top. And if you won your, it might've been sixteen, it might've been more than 16 teams, but if you won your like top four league, like you got an automatic spot in the playoffs. And then if you were like the top team from the like second tier league, you got an automatic spot in the playoffs. And then you took various other teams that were the highest ranked from the top tier and you had a system of promotion and relegation. And then, yep. and that was that. Um, That is the most
1: fair way to do this, which is why
0: it will never happen. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be super cool. If you want to read that, uh, go to HaleVarsity.com, and I guess use the search function. Um,
1: (laughs) You're pumping up an article from three years ago. You're going to have to put it in the show notes, I think.
0: But uh, (laughs) if you don't want to search for something that you're probably not going to agree with, then just go to HaleVarsity.com. Anyways. uh, and read everything that the team has there. Um, make sure that you are subscribed. If you're a Hale Varsity subscriber. Use the discount code VARSITY. In all caps, go to halevarsity.com backslash subscribe to get that. Um, this show is a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. You can find other Hail Varsity shows on the Herd App Media Network at halevarsity.com backslash network. So make sure to check up on those two things um you can also read spencer at SaturdayRoad.com. spencer thanks so much for coming on the podcast this was fun man it was a blast thanks for having me yeah we'll be back next week with another episode in the meantime like i said keep reading hillrc.com um go follow spencer if you want to go read his stuff it's always excellent shouts to you guys for listening every week Shouts to cam for producing this episode every week and we will be back next week
1: Mahoda Media Production.